What's up, guys? Mitch from Respect My Region, back with another episode of the RMR Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Joey Bravo, for the first episode we've done together in a while, and special guest, Keith Allen, CEO of G4 Live and the Bud Tender Awards. How you doing today, Keith? I'm doing great, Mitch. Great to see you guys. Man, Likewise. what's up, Keith, man? What, how you living, bro? Living good, man. Just uh, coming off the weekend, getting ready for G4 Live, just about six weeks out. And uh, at this point, we're just in it, man. In the thick of it, in the thick of it. You guys have been moving and shaking. I've had FOMO since last year. I had FOMO the year before. Like, I just missed the Bud Tender sessions the other week. So I'm just... I'm ready, man. I'm ready to learn about G4 Live. I'm ready to learn about the Bud Tender Awards. I'm ready to learn about what Vegas is going to be like. You guys are hosting, for the first time ever, a really, really unique performance. Yeah. Two of the world's biggest celebrities today. One, Travis Barker. Mm-hmm. Two, I'll let you with the honor, Big Snoop <laughs> Coming in hot, man. Keith, yeah. I got to say, what you do is very impressive, and so it's an honor to have you here today. Mitch is going to ask a lot of great questions. We're going to do what we can to make you look really good and help hopefully drive some awareness to this exciting event that you have. It's for the culture. It's for the community, and we appreciate you. So yeah, thank hey, you listen, again. I appreciate you guys for having me, too. This is a, it's truly a big honor to, to be on this show with you guys, and I just I know what you guys are all about, and it means a lot to us because we're aligned in the cultural aspects of this whole community, man. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Keith, before we get too much into these upcoming events, I want to take it back a little bit to the start. Um, You know, you've had a very interesting journey in business, starting as being a producer, event production, talent management, booking, a a lot of things around entertainment to now CEO of multiple companies involved in cryptocurrency, the cannabis industry. Can you give me just a little bit of insight to your professional journey? Yeah, well, listen, I... I think that in retrospect, everything always seems like it's some part of a big master plan, right? But it really was just, you know, it was me just being really interested in a lot of really cool things. And I can't really do anything unless I'm really passionate or involved and and excited about it. So, you know, for me starting off in, uh, you know, I was in college, I was bartending and I heard the craziest pickup lines in the world. So I started writing them down and then I ended up writing a book with my roommate called 101 of the world's most effective pickup lines. And we ended up getting on a radio show called Love Line at the time, which was nationally syndicated. And long story short, I ended up selling over 100,000 copies of that book out of my apartment. And uh, that just made me realize that there were some really fun things to do other than just going the traditional routes. I, I mean, I was a pre-med student. I was going to be a doctor. I mean, I still love science to this day, but obviously I made some different career choices. And that just kind of went into everything else. So, yeah, I mean, I just I, I got to be passionate about things I do. Man, I, I love that. And so what what was the transition to going from kind of the entertainment world to the business world? Was that something that naturally happened? Was it something that you've always had this business aspect that was kind of uh, in the background of entertainment or, or what, what did that look like? Well, you know, I think a lot of people could probably relate to this. I, I think generally speaking, you've got business minds and you have creative minds, right? And left brain, right brain. Um, I had always been very fascinated with business because I, I think when I was younger, it was just kind of like I wanted to make money. I wanted to kind of carve my own path and what have you. But I was very much a creative. I was very involved in the creative side of things. Um, I, I I just wanted to learn more about business. I, I When I got into artist management, it was as a result of me, I was producing the Action Sports World Tour on CBS. Um, I had come from, you know, working in, in the radio, I worked in radio. Then I got a job working at MTV. I was a producer, produced some cool shows over there. And then I stayed with Viacom and I went to CBS and produced the Action, Action Sports World Tour. A guy named John Boyle at the time who was managing Exhibit in the Band Alien Ant Farm recruited me to start an action sports division for that company. So when I went into that, I, I really kind of got into a blend of it all because there was a lot of business happening around that creative, right? And I found some people that I could use as mentors and they taught me a lot about, a lot about business, how to read a P&L, how to understand my own gaps of management really but the transition really happened when i went to a business convention of sorts i was asked to speak about brand identity emotional marketing what people feel about brands rather than what just what they think long story short i met this guy kind of kooky he was following me around a little bit and he was asking me for advice on some stuff and we sat down had some lunch and he had an idea for a healthy fast food restaurant and at the end of the whole meal he started flossing with these two sticks 
and they look like miniature nunchucks. And I said, wow, those are really cool that with your, for your gums, we should call them gumchucks. And that took me on this crazy journey where I started this business with this guy and I exited that company seven years later. And after we got the product into 5,000 retail stores around the world. So major education in that seven years on how to run a business. This kind of comes to the territory, I guess. Absolutely. And you mentioned it right. There's a very different skill set and personality between the creative type and the business type. They're two completely different minds and, and yeah. individuals. But I think a lot of people in business have this, you know, kind of walk, you know, I'd say owners and entrepreneurs have that that ability to tightrope between the two where you can be creative with these business ideas. And is that something that, that you would agree with? Oh, 100%. I think that if somebody in the creative industry can really understand how to run a business, and, th and there's a lot to that, right? I mean, even now, like I, I certainly understand a lot more than I did back in those days, but I still have a CFO, a controller, a bookkeeper. We have a financial division in our company. And it's, it's good to know that I have the respect of that team because I can actually speak and talk the language with them and get into strategy. But I think for creatives, the hardest thing to do is to learn another language, which is business. And, and you do have to force yourself to do it. I mean, there's a lot of stories about this. I mean, if you look at like Bill Gates, for example, he's a great example of somebody that is known to be a left brain, right brain combined. And, and there's not a lot of people in the world that are like that. It's kind of an anomaly, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then I'm going to I want to back it up potentially a little bit even further. You know, I ask every guest that comes on our show their origin story around cannabis, whether personally or professionally. So I'm, I'm curious your origin story with the plant. Oh, well, listen, I started smoking pot when I was about 13 years old. Actually, it was my 13th birthday and my older brother and uh, my sister were like, hey, come here. I'm like, ah, and I smelled it. I was like, I'm so excited because I knew what it was and I was super stoked on it. And, you know, I, I used cannabis a lot throughout high school. I wasn't really into drinking so much. I smoked more than anything. Um, and then when I got into school, in addition to bartending, I was also growing and selling and um, just fell in love with the plant. So it, it's, it's always been a part of my life and some really unique and cool experiences I've had with it. And I've got nothing but love for the industry because of it. It's really fun for me to see what the industry has become compared to what it was, you know, and watching that evolution attracted me to it in a way that I like being a part of pioneering industries and pioneering spaces. And there's no question that the gold rush of 1849 all over again. So, yeah. Do you, before we get deep too deep into the business and the event side, I have to interject because I'm a smoker. I'm smoking right now. I'm high. I'm already lost in the convo. And I'm like, man, he says, he said, I started smoking pot. So you've been smoking pot for years. You're, you told me the other day, you know, you're in your early fifties or late forties. How old? Just turned 50. Just turned 50. So you've been smoking pot for just over 35 years. Did you always call it pot? When did you start using the word cannabis? And do you have a strain that you enjoy? Okay, so I'll reverse engineer that. Strain I enjoy, anything with high levels of limonene. I like mood elevators, limonene, myrcene. Um, I've found that some of the best strains that have the highest limonene and myrcene would be uh, Diamond Dust. Uh, I like the Vegas brands, Vegas strains, uh, Cookies Vegas. I love Paul at Redwood. He grows that stuff for those guys. He's got great boutique uh, genetics. Um, uh, I've been calling, I started calling it cannabis when I got into the industry more because I'd always called it weed or pot or whatever, flower. Flower was actually one that we didn't mention, but I started calling flower, flower when I got in the industry just because I feel like there's such an interesting dynamic between the suits and the OGs who come from, you know, my friends from Humboldt who, you know, were growing back in the day who I was connected with. And, you know, it, it's just such a different space now. Right. And, and I'm being politically correct in this space has its level of importance, depending on who you're talking to. Um, so you can actually have a conversation with them that speaks their language. So Agreed. I don't know. I kind, of, I kind of, I kind of chameleon just depending who I'm talking with, you know, and it's not even thought it just sort of happens. That's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs> And then break, breaking it down to the, the two companies that we want to talk about today, G4 Live and the Bud Tender Awards. They're interconnected. But what, what's kind of the differentiation? What, how, is, how are these businesses set up from a, from a positioning standpoint? Well, so both businesses fall under the banner of Round Metal Holdings, which is the company I'm the CEO of. Uh, Round Metal Holdings is a, is a company that is mostly focused on services um, and I mentioned this because when I sold that company that I was involved with, the Gumchucks company, I started a boutique marketing agency um, out here where I live in, in LA. 
and our because of my relationship to the music industry our first clients were were music uh we connected with some navy seals and some rangers and special forces they had started a firearms company and these guys were badass they would be hired to go on private jets into foreign countries the, the insurance companies wouldn't let these jets fly into these countries without them on board and so we did a bunch of videos for those guys we used to say guns drugs and rock and roll because it was all about just cannabis this this these these the security companies and a lot of music industry stuff like we did music videos for 311 and just a lot of the record labels we worked with and it was, it was really good stuff but when when you look at like how everything converted it all came to a moment when we helped take bang uh bang chocolate uh public we were part of the marketing team on that rto we learned so much about the industry and some of the so many so many of the shortcomings that the industry had at the time and this is probably back 2016 17. um it, it really was very obvious to me as an operator that there were a lot of problems that need to be solved in this space and it, it was just naturally drawn to coming up with solutions for those issues and so the first thing we saw was the was the bud tenders all the brands wanted to be with the bud tenders but they, it was it was it was it wasn't genuine it was they just wanted the advocacy but they didn't really care about the bud tenders so we created the bud tender awards in 2019 was our first year doing the bud tender awards we had cypress hill come and perform we did it at light nightclub we were the first ever cannabis event allowed on a las, las vegas strip casino mm. when all of that happened we knew that we were on to something but you kind of had to be there for this special moment anybody who's in that room remarks on this and talks about it which is there was a vibe in the room that was just louder than any the, anything else happening, which was the bud tenders felt this immense sense of appreciation. Like people are actually recognizing us because we're not just people selling weed. We're people that are making serious recommendations that have psychoactive effects for consumers who are just walking back in dispensaries, probably since some of them, at least since the first time they were in college buying, you know, dime bags, whatever. It was like, this was a, this was a new experience, especially for older demos. And we, we took that and amplified it. So that's how everything got started. G4 Live came from the idea that we had to have this expo because it was very experiential. So G stands for global, four represents the four corners of the cannabis universe, and live is an acronym that we use that embraces all of it. So G4 Live is the expo experiential event that we have, and then Bud Tender Awards is our closing night party that we have uh, at the end of the whole show. And what are, what are some of these awards you guys give out at the Bud Tender Awards? We have like the 710 award. Um, we've got the cannabis award. I'm sorry, the CBD award. Um, we have the ambassador award. Think like CNN heroes, people that are doing good and doing well. Um, you know, we met a girl early on when we were doing this who I really resonated with because she was going, going to medical school. She was on her way to go to medical school. And I asked her what the inspiration was for that. And it was her younger brother had epilepsy and she had watched that show on CNN weed with Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Alan Shekelford. And Charlotte, the whole story of Charlotte's Web, and she had gotten some CBD and was able to, you know, try it with her brother. She found the right formula, whatever, and was able to ultimately reduce the seizures down to one or two a day. And eventually, I think none um, or random seizures. And she was so inspired by that that she decided to go to medical school to try and blend in cannabis with Western medicine and, and to work for the future. And I was so moved by that story wow. that that was where I was like, I, I'm going to I'm going to put all in on this. That's impactful. And I think that's that's a lot of people, you know, we talk about our why or our purpose. And one of the beautiful things about the cannabis industry are these medical benefits and how so many people are so tied, so strongly tied, rooted in purpose and, and passion beyond just passion of being a recreational consumer or lover of the plan or the experience that it gives us. But these medical benefits and the, the unique stories that so many individuals have felt or we ourselves have, have connected with. Absolutely. That's what attracts me to the whole industry, to be honest. And, you know, I, I love the talk, you know, the bud tender is, is holds such an important place in this industry, not just for the sales process, as you mentioned, like for brands, obviously they want to reach the bud tender. That's their best line of defense in terms of upselling or getting their, they're getting their brand known, their value propositions communicated to patients or, or consumers um, or sell at, at industries or at dispensaries. But it's also, you know, the medical consultants and the people that work with these people and help them educate and understand the education behind cannabis and the different products and the different reasonings or applications for these products. So how much of this focus, you know, at, at G4 Live, there's obviously this education component, this 
celebratory component, um, you know, this award show, there's so many different things going on. How important is it that each one of those moments gets their shine and right place in the event? Well, I think it's immensely important because we have such a wide variety of people that come to our show. You know, I mean, we always get the question when we're signing up brands like, so what is this, B2B, is it B2C? And, and it's interesting to me, more, the question is more interesting than the answer, which is like, you're defining it as B2B or B2C, but the one thing I'm very cognizant of, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody in our industry, but I think that the cannabis industry is just smoking its own shit and swimming in its own pool of shit. It's like everybody's just talking about their hype and how great they are, and most of these people are living off investor dollars. We already know that it costs $1,700 to produce a pound of flour in California. You can only sell for a thousand bucks and it's going to, you're going to be working off of terms. It could be up to six months. There's so many issues with this industry in general, but when you talk about the education, the education shouldn't just be on, you know, the different effects of different products in the space, but also how to grow an industry. And so our whole approach to that answer is how do we be more inclusive? Like I invited champs to be a part of our event. I gave them some square footage for free on our floor, uh, like we've reached out to just about everybody in the industry and there's some people that didn't respond and that's cool. That's on them. But you know what? We're an inclusive industry. We're an inclusive company. We want to help grow the industry. So coming from that dental company that I was involved with, people may say, what the hell does that have to do with this industry? And let me tell you, it has a lot to do with it because when you talk about the dental industry, the dental industry deals with state regulated packaging claims. It deals with logistics. It deals with the FDA. It is a class one medical device. You're dealing with so many of the same things the cannabis industry is dealing with. And until the cannabis industry wraps its head around the idea that this is a CPG industry, which stands for consumer packaged goods, and we will be dealing with all the food drug mass club channels, your Walgreens, your Targets, your CBSs, your Kroger's, that's where this industry is headed for it to succeed and at the levels that we all want it to. So when we talk about education, for me, it's way more than just the plant. It's about what is this industry doing to professionalize and endorse and embrace best practices? I don't see a lot of that. Absolutely. And, and something that Joey and I have found, you know, Respect My Region at its surface level is very consumer facing, whether you look at the events we've thrown in the past or the content that we produce, you know, at a surface level, it, it very much seems consumer facing. And that's, you know, a question a lot of people ask us, well, what's your audience like? Is it B2B? Is it B2C? And we've really found a real healthy mix of both worlds, whether it's an event or content in the realm in, on, on the web, because, you know, the, the, the people that are as nerdy or as passionate about these products and these terpenes or these brands or these strains, the, the actual people that are putting those search queries into the Internet are usually the most educated of the consumer, which tend to be a large population of those that actually work yeah. within the industry. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's what it's like. I went to ICBC in San Francisco, I don't know, a few years back, and I was with Nick Hexum from 311. He's a good friend of mine, and Nick is, you know, 311's all done a lot in the space. I, I think they're kind of, you know, they're a great band, but they've also, they're kind of a cannabis band too, right? And it's like, I remember being in the room and listening to uh, one of the hosts talking, and it was all about anti-suits. And it was really shocking for me to hear that because I was like, well, okay, I get it. Like, you know, we don't want pharma coming in here and trying to take over our industry that we're all pioneering and fighting for. But at the same time, there has to be some sort of a collaboration with the mainstream market leaders I and mean, thought leaders, right? I mean, there has to, I mean, I'm not talking about pharma. I'm talking about just people that don't know how to run businesses. And, and you know, I mean, listen, that, that's, not our, that's not our main focus as much as it is a part of it all. But when we look at the space and we look at the growth of the industry and the consumer influence, it, it really is. I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, we brought on one of my dearest friends. His name is Paul Gomez. And Paul Gomez is the founder of Hurley. Hmm. Uh, and when Hurley, when, they, when him and Bob Hurley sold to Nike, uh, they hired Paul to be the global brand manager uh, for Nike, Converse, and Hurley. He did that for 11 years. And he, you know, just built the community, did a, I mean, the number one selling Nike shoe is, you know, your Air Jordan. The number two is the SB skate shoe. Mm -hmm. And that was all from the idea about building this community. In fact, not to go too long on this, but let me tell you a funny story that Paul would tell if he was with us. It's like, you know, he was really good friends with Mike D from the Beastie Boys, and he's a former music manager. And he put a Billabong t-shirt on Mike D for Rolling Stone magazine. And I will not get too, too into the politics of this story, but I'll tell you one of the principals at Billabong called up Paul and he's like, you know, what the heck is Mike D doing wearing a Billabong t-shirt on the cover of Rolling Stone? And he's like, well, you don't get it. Like, this is a culture. It's a community. It's like, 
this whole thing that just because you don't live by the ocean doesn't mean you don't subscribe to the community. Mm. So I would translate that into just because, and that's why they started Hurley, by the way, Hurley came from that notion that like, this is a community and that's why it was so successful. But I would also say that it's the same thing for cannabis. If you compare those two stories to, or compare the story of that compared to cannabis, it's like, just because you're not someone who knows the industry and all the terpenes and cannabinoids, and you can rattle them off with all your knowledge of it all, doesn't mean that there aren't people that can benefit from cannabis or just love to smoke it or in edibles or whatever, the, whatever their choice of injection is, right? It's like, Absolutely. just because people don't understand it the way you do, doesn't mean that there aren't a whole bunch of people out there in this country, in this world that want to understand it better. So we have a responsibility as an industry mm -hmm. to educate people about that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think Joey, I think Joey had heard a little bit of that story from you the other day and was relaying it to me. I, I did a post on LinkedIn today about skate culture and it's, it's relevance to cannabis culture of being a, a subculture and how mainstream America got a hold of it. And some of those things are bad, but it's also created, you know, it's propelled the industry forward where people can get paid a, an incredible wage for this sport. The sport gets recognition along other things where the stigma has been broken. Um, and just, you know, without that consumer and corporate infrastructure, you know, the sport would have died you know it's made skate parks better it's made so many things about the culture better we're going to see the same thing with cannabis it's an inevitable change to the industry um there's some things that you can't like about it there's some things that are worth fighting for but there's also like an understanding that it's inevitable and kind of getting with the program and working with it but yeah. i want to take it back to the event a little bit you know this year g4 live the bud tender awards are going to be at resort world in las vegas yeah. what is the importance or, or, or the impact or the potential impact of having this as a venue in, in Las Vegas. By the way, I'm not being rude and not looking at the screen and I'm on my phone because I'm going to pull something up and show you here in one second. So let me just enter this password because you're going to want to see this. <laughs> I'm always sensitive to that. Like you're looking at your phone and we're talking. We're doing an interview, right? Um, the impact of doing this at Resorts World. Okay, so... I have to say, I have so much love for the MGM team. Everybody in Las Vegas that works at MGM, uh, we had our first event and our second event at Mandalay Bay. I, I I cannot thank those people over there enough from Ernest Stovall, Stephen Martino, uh, you know, uh, Ryan. Um, there's so many people over there that were so hugely helpful to us. But with COVID, it shut down pretty much every event that they had for 14 months. And a lot of the people that had priority over us filled in the next year. So we had to move away from MGM. Um, the next best choice for us was, was Resorts World. And when I did the tour of Resorts World, it was with a hard hat and, you know, the, going through the construction zone. I mean, they still had like, I think they had some slot machines on the floor, but it was wood floors and cement. People just, we, we, we did the dirt tour really. And I got to see that hotel kind of coming up as we were planning our event. And I really learned a lot about what was happening in the new evolution of the new Vegas, right? And Resorts World was a really great choice for us because A, they have three different properties on there. You got your Hilton, your Conrad, and your Crockford, um, different levels. You kind of have like, it's almost like your Four Seasons, your JW or your, your Hilton Hotel. Great restaurants, um, great entertainment centers, an amazing cigar lounge, eight cigar lounge. Shout out to those guys because we're doing our buyer's ball there on the, on the 12th. Um, but it was impactful in the sense that we're one of the only cannabis related events that has been thrown at one of these major casinos. Now, some people followed us, um, but at the same time, we're, we're keeping up with sort of that idea that we are a professional event, but we're also in the cannabis industry. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll throw parties off property. Like we're doing a party at Mike Tyson's old place, Tyson ranch house, Cali mansion. Um, you know, and, and those guys are incredible. So we get to do parties there where we have consumption and people set up tables and there's fire dancers by the pool and all kinds of amazing things. But being in Vegas at Resorts World has been a really amazing experience for us. Also, our convention is actually at the convention center and they have an underground tunnel that goes uh, to Tesla activation that goes from underground at Resorts World to the convention center and you just pop up above ground and wow. you're right there. So that's huge Man, for us because if people want to take cabs and Ubers, yeah, you just end up at the convention center. I didn't even know about that. Is that that's, that's I think that's boys. new then, right? With the, along with the construction. Yeah. No, it's the boring tunnel. Yeah, they they just completed, I believe, um, and just in time for our event. That's yeah. so dope. That that is yeah. That's fire, and that that definitely is set to be a a, a great event. And um, you know, with this, right? We've we've talked a little bit about it, but you know, it's so much more than an expo. Um, 
and, and tying all these different elements together, what was the, you know, what what's the thought process that goes into making sure all of these different components can happen? These offsite venues, the transportation to and from, like how how long? What's the lead time of producing this scale of event? I'll put it to you this way: our this our event this year goes May twelfth through the fourteenth. Uh, the fifteenth is a Sunday, and on the sixteenth, when we get back to the office, we'll start planning next year. Uh, it takes us a year to plan this thing. It's no listen, I. I won't tell you the number, but it's a very big budget that we throw on this. We spend a lot of money. I believe that we do things in a, well, I don't just believe, I know we do things in a way that nobody else does. Uh, and I'll tell you specifically what that is. When you come to our event, a ticket is 389. There's a bunch of 20% discounts out there, but let's say you do the 20% discount, which is coincidentally 311. <laughs> you get access for all three days of the show. You get access to all the parties. And we also feed everybody who comes into the event. And when I say feed you, it's not box salads and, you know, $20 bottles of water. It's, it's catered food and it's gourmet. I mean, we serve everything from chocolate covered bacon to frittatas for breakfast and street tacos for lunch, snacks in between. We have barrels of ice throughout the whole event filled with bottles of water, Gatorade, Red Bull. We have open bars. We have DJs. Um, it, it is, is very much a party during the day at our show. So when you come to our convention, it's not, the traditional trade show. In fact, if you looked at our map for the trade show from directly above, like straight down over it, it would look like a bloom because everything centers around the middle of the show, not the entrance where all the big brands are usually mm -hmm. are at other shows. We bring everybody to the middle of the show. So we create great traffic throughout the whole event. We do this intentionally. So people get kind of lost in it. We have lounges. I know weed maps is going to be there this year. They're dressing our lounges and putting up neon lights and carpets and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, we have really, I mean, Mike Tyson's coming. He'll be there on Saturday, uh, walking the show. He's got a booth there. Um, bunch of other things happening with Mike too, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, mm -hmm. but, um, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's an event like no other in the space. It's experiential for sure. And it's a great, and the reason why we do that is because we, we help stimulate everybody being in a great mood yeah. and people write paper when they're in good moods. People do deals. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's important. You know, Joey and I've been to God knows how many trade shows and expos at this point, and, and it's a great point of having the entertainment in the center. You know, the last large marijuana yeah. conference I went to in Vegas, I won't I won't name it, but you know, I, I didn't even see ninety five percent of the floor. You know, I walked in, I went to the press booth, I had a couple meetings set there, and I hung outside and I met people. But it was like I walked in, it was so overwhelming, and there was no singular reason for me to really go anywhere other than be overwhelmed. So I didn't really go, you know, I didn't really go anywhere. And I love that, uh, that attention to detail where it's like, Hey, if we bring everyone to the center for the event, the value that's going to be for the vendors and the booths, right. That's going to create this circular motion of people checking things out, seeing things from a 360 degree angle rather than just what's right at the entrance. And, yeah. and there's a lot of thought well, I'm sure that goes into listen, that. Listen, I'll tell you what, when I, when I went to MJ last year, um, listen, I, I, first of all, I don't have anything bad to say about any other event at all. Again, it's inclusive. Like we, we really, we want to support other events. Um, so I'll mention this, you know, it's like I go to MJ and it's like the one thing I think that was kind of an afterthought for them. I know it wasn't a part of the original planning. At least I don't believe it was, is that secondary hall they had kind of off to the left when you walked in and that's where cannabis talk one-on-one was. And that's where the hall of flowers uh, hall was. And I thought that was the best area of the whole show. So I mean, the Hall of Flowers piece that they had there was so cool because it was like an activation within the show. And then mm -hmm. right across from them, we had Cannabis Talk 101. Now, Cannabis Talk 101 is doing the same thing at our show. They're bringing out their whole set. There's going to be live interviews. Um, and in fact, we put that right at the entrance. So when people walk in, they see all the big lights and the cameras and it's just cool. But yeah, having having stimulating visuals and audibles and, you know, we've got the Pop Brothers at Law coming and doing the Shut the Fuck Up seminar, their STFU seminar. Um, so we do a lot of things like that to really help kind of stimulate people wanting to hang around and just do more at the event. Yeah. And, you know, I want to I want to back it up a little bit to Tyson. You mentioned Tyson being there and I know the pound for pound award is going yeah. on and that caught my eye. So I'm kind of curious the, the details around that specific uh, piece of hardware that a brand could take home. Well, listen, first of all, I really love the guys at Tyson and I'm not trying to just say that for any reason that has anything to do with our business. This, this all happened in the most organic possible way. Um, you know, I, 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 I've been friends with Kevin and Mark over at Tyson, Kevin Bell and Mark Skubish for a few years now. And 
we did some stuff with them early on when it was just Tyson Ranch, right? And when they converted to Tyson 2.0, I, I kind of knew about that as it was happening. And I was really excited about it. I found out about Mike Bites um, before they came out. I, I think it was Uncle John, who's a super cool, fun guy that hangs around, you know, with the guys. And he came up with this idea and collaborated with everybody. And it was just fun to see the culture of how they built it all. But when I was talking to Kevin after New Year's Eve party that we had with them, uh, the next morning, cause we crashed at that place. And then the next morning we're all having breakfast. And I was talking with Kevin, we were talking about doing something special for G4 and the Budtender awards. And we came up with this, we just, we started riffing and we just came up with this idea. And before you know it, an hour went by and we were just done. It was done. And we had this idea to do the pound for pound award where people can submit strains. So a grower can submit a strain and we're, we're, we're only doing California and Nevada, even though they operate in 18 States. Um, and by the way, we have people coming from 39 states, so it's not like it was it, it was just for the purpose of this of this of this uh, award. But the pound for pound award is people submit their strains, the bud tenders vote on it, and then Mike picks the final strain. He's going to get on stage at the bud tender awards this year on May 14th. He's going to give out a trophy, a one year contract, and a heavyweight belt to the winner, uh, who will then be able to further name, further develop, and name and distribute the strain through Tyson 2.0. That's so super dope. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, that's super dope. Yeah. Wow. So this and, this is open to any any breeder or is this licensed brands or, or yep. who, who, who qualifies to enter for that? Well, unfortunately, it's sort of limited to California and Nevada because, you know, we can't cross state border. Sure. Right. I mean, that's obviously we're following the law, but they have locations. They have offices in Nevada and they have offices in California. So they're going to submit to the offices um, and we're going to have a voting process. And there, there's a whole bunch about the rules that are on our website. I think it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, and, and um if I am, I'm sorry, but uh, we'll, we'll clear it up later. But it's it's g4live.com slash P4P. P, the letter P, the number four, and the letter P. And that's how you enter into the Pound for Pound Award. And Mike will be judging all these himself? Mike will be judging himself. He'll be getting on stage, giving out the award. And he's also going to help me introduce Snoop Dogg and Travis Barker. This is... Uh, wow. Ep, ep, epic, epic proportions. And so what else from the entertainment perspective can can guests anticipate from these events? Uh, I don't think it's 100% confirmed yet, but I believe it's confirmed enough for me to say I think we have Cheech and Chong will be there giving out an award. Um, we've also got, we do have Rachel Wolfson and Modest Jones who are going to be hosting. And Rachel Wolfson is, you know, her star has risen dramatically since being on uh, the movie Jackass. Um We've got uh, some really great up-and-coming talent. Uh, Hunter Moellum from Canada, just this kid from a small town of 7,000 people, produced a lot of music out of just his bedroom and just wrote some bangers, and we're just putting them on stage before giving them a shot. You know, hey, go open up for Snoop and Travis. Like, Wow Ash Wow is performing. The Aqua Dolls, I'm super excited about the Aqua Dolls. They're an up-and-coming all-girl um, kind of surf punk band from San Diego, and uh, they just got on the Sublime Incubus tour for the summer. So their stars rising. Uh, Great music, great parties, a lot of celebrity coming. Our guest list pretty much looks like the Grammys at this point. We're the official after party for uh, the the uh, Snoop Dogg Ice Cube concert earlier that night. So lots lots happening around that specific event. I, I you know it's a Club Chaos at the Palms is where we're throwing the Bud Tender Awards. Place holds about five thousand people, and I think it'll be sold out. Mm. And you said attendees from thirty nine states are, are confirmed. Well. So we have bud tenders nominated for the bud okay. tender awards. So let me tell you those numbers. We have 40, over 4,500 bud tenders nominated from 39 states and seven countries. Um, all bud tenders get free tickets. So if you, if you want to come to the bud tender awards and you're a bud tender, you have a free ticket. There's a lot of brands who are also doing promotions to do flyaways to get, to get bud tenders out there. They're paying for hotel, airfare. Um, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for bud tenders. And we're really trying to do our best right now to make sure that we don't lose focus of our event now that we've got all this celebrity and stuff happening with it, it's all about the bud tenders and the front line and between the brands and the consumers. Yeah, that, uh, that is sounding pretty epic. And, you know, with this, with this merge of just cannabis business and, and entertainment and culture, I'm just curious kind of from your perspective of how you see cannabis culture and the cannabis industry connecting through this this growth you know we alluded to a little bit earlier but this inevitable evolution to a more corporatized you know traditional cpg looking world that's evolved from this you know quite literal garages and basements and back alley culture how do you see this this evolution i would i mean you made a reference earlier to the skate industry and the surf industry and i would say it's probably very similar i mean there's probably a bunch of analogies but i that immediately comes to mind because you know, 
when it comes to those cultures, you can't counterfeit it really. I mean, you know, there's people that are so grounded in that culture that won't allow it to become something that goes too far away from the blueprint. But in that, and that'll be, you know, with a lot of the breeders and growers and the people from our space that are going to make sure that it, it doesn't get too far away. But at the same time, there has to be a nice blend between the two to reach the masses and to reach the consumers in a way that benefits their lives. Plainly put, you know, I mean, the bigger something gets the oftentimes, I mean, everybody in America loves an underdog, but as soon as you're not an underdog anymore, everybody loves to kind of pull you down and talk shit. So it's like, I think with the industry, you just have to be very careful on how we grow it. And there's a lot of people out there that are protectors and guards of that growth. And, and I believe in them. Absolutely. It's something that, that we've been working on very heavy with our platform to make sure to shine light on all sides with, with kind of this sense of, 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 you know, just pride in making sure that the culture is preserved and that the right people are placed in the right positions. It's not something that we always see, but it's something that we, I think we could, a lot of us can unify and, and, and fight for. Um, you know, with this legalization that, that is sweeping the nation, we just saw the MORE Act pass. I mean, it's probably going to fail at the next step, <laughs> but it's making a good headline for right now and at least getting the yeah. conversation propelled forward. Um, what are some things that you mm -hmm. think the industry is still missing? Oh, God, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> Soundbite, my God. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Well, I'll use that as a segue and a plug. How about that? <clears throat> we have, uh, I, I think, I think marketing, advertising, communications is one of the biggest sore thumbs, if you will, that I have seen that's problematic for the industry because look, I mean, if you look at your Facebooks, your Instagrams, Google, TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, it, it, it's, it's all, it's all, I, I reference it to sort of back in the day before, you know, cable TV, it was like, those are the networks, right? And they're, they're heavily regulated and monitored. I mean, yeah, you listen, when Mark Zuckerberg speaking to Congress, it's over. So it's like all the data mining, everything that happens from that. So having a really good platform for marketing and communicating your brand's unique selling proposition and your core competencies is really critical right now, I think, to the consumer markets. Um, so we are actually lifting our social media platform in May, and it's called G4 Plus. I happen to have it right here on my phone. So this is G4 Plus. And if you look at it, you can kind of scroll through all these different lifestyle interests. You can kind of, you know, it's just, it's just like Instagram, really. There's me smoking my cigar, just did a post. Um, you know, I mean, you can do all kinds of really cool things if you look at the hamburger menu on it. But this app right here um, also has a feature on it called Studio, which is right on top. And if you click on Studio, you'll be able to stream TV shows. So we've been acquiring shows that are content related to cannabis. Um, and we're really providing a consumer facing offering. So the whole point of this is, is to be a consumer resource to the cannabis industry without crossing any lines on, you know, the integrity of what this industry is, is, is trying to accomplish by growing. So we're trying to amplify this edit and amplify it's a big phrase in our lives and that comes from paul gomez you know and paul is heavily involved with us community building on this side um i think that that's what the industry is missing most and i think that we are working very hard to provide that solution for not only the industry but mostly for the consumers which then helps create this more cyclical effect and it grows that that's a really big growth factor right there is communication absolutely and do you feel like it kind of a lot of the lack in that is kind of the, the positioning and on, on, on the side of the brands and kind of the people leading the industry, or is it the, the marketing channels or, or a mix of both? I think it's a mixture of a lot of things, honestly. I mean, you know, everybody's kind of afraid of what's happening right now with cannabis not being descheduled. I know everybody's trying to make that happen. I don't think it's going to happen on this pass. I don't think you're going to get the votes you need in the Senate, but I think we're working closer to that and I think it's going to happen. I just, I mean, listen, nobody knows. Nobody has a crystal ball on that. And in the meantime, what are we doing to help, you know, to grow? And, and, and these are the things that we're focused on over here with G4 Live and the Bud Tender Awards. Starting with the Bud Tender Awards, we're, we're honoring the Bud Tenders. We're, we're helping to show the Bud Tenders that are involved with what we're doing that, that there is an opportunity for growth in this space for you. As somebody who's a communicator to the consumers, it helps the industry. And on the consumer side, we're, we're really helping to align in, in an environment where people can get questions answered. And there's so many new product offerings that are coming out everywhere. It's like there has to be that level of education, but
but it can't just be about education. It has to be something that identifies with lifestyle. Mm. So it's lifestyle, it's community, um, and, and, it, and it's the integrity of, of what we're all trying to accomplish together. I, I, a lot I of times, it. a lot of times these, these companies only get to do education to the consumers. They don't really, at least here in California, the bud tender sessions are the only bud tender centric gathering um, yeah. dedicated specifically to them. I know in Washington, there used to be the lemon haze events in California. There are occasionally lemon haze events, but again, they're not, they're no longer what they were in terms of bringing 500 to a thousand people um, or let alone comparatively to like the size of these conventions. You know, could you imagine 35 uh, Mitch, could you imagine 35,000 bud tenders going to an MJ BizCon only for a, you know, for a two day window of education in a summit it's not even really being talked about outside of G4. And that's what's super exciting. So again, as a former butt tender myself, one who was medically certified from the day that I started selling weed, I find education to be of the biggest importance. And also, again, one of the biggest lacking uh, of, you know, it's missing in the industry uh, from a butt tender perspective, for sure. Yeah, listen, I, I've met so many butt tenders over the past few years and I heard their stories. I've gotten to talk with these people and yeah, I mean, listen, there are people that just sell weed. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there are bud tenders and that's, they're cool with it and it doesn't make them bad people at all. I mean, it's just their job. Right. And then you have more frequently now than ever before, we find bud tenders that are really passionate about their knowledge because they're proud to know what they know and, and they've been educated and, and they love to share that information with people that come in and, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you, you know, there's there's a bud tender who won in 2019, the bud tender award. His name's Rocky. And she was working at Planet 13. Rocky and I have stayed friends since. And she was telling me, uh, and it feels weird for me to say this out loud because she said it to me, but it was it was this moment that I had that I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, it almost brought me to tears a little bit because I was I was so moved by what she said. She's like, Look, you know, I, I need you to know, like winning the bud tender awards in my category wasn't something that was just like a, a novelty and she's like it changed my whole life mm. it, you know i started a podcast i started consulting for people and i've grown this business and she became a manager at planet 13 and then they sent her over to you know their other location in vegas and um medazine and she just has grown her career now she's just consulting for some of the biggest companies in the industry i'm sure she's making a great income and she's converted into becoming a manager and a thought leader in the space. And it's like, when you see that happen, it tells me I'm doing the right thing. Hmm. Make, you know, it, absolutely. It feels good to see that you can impact other people's lives in the way that you intended. And it wasn't just some idea that fell short. Like, you know, there's a lot of scalability here and there's a lot of growth we have in front of us. No question. Um, but to have that experience amongst some of the others I've already shared with you guys, it's, it's it's been one of the coolest experiences of my life impact you know that's impact very, that's very powerful. impact is never to be understated you know i think in in putting on events you know it's something joey and i have done for a long time and, and we love to to give that platform we've always been a platform you know we've always been localized respect my region the name was very much rooted and in, in localized uh content uplifting local communities local figures local brands and so we've always taken a uh, just, just again, another sense of pride and just providing opportunities for people, let alone creating entertainment and great spaces for people to congregate and share ideas, but also providing, uh, you know, opportunities and platform. And when you make impact, you know, when you can insert impact alongside a good time and, and making business happen, you know, I think that's a, a winning trifecta right there. The triangle offense. Yeah. Some of the best businesses come from that. You know I mean? Look at Elon Musk. It's like Tesla, SpaceX, I mean, and a bunch of other things that he's involved with. It's like the guy just did what someone said couldn't be done, you know? And it's like, I, I love the pioneering spirit, man. I mean, even you guys, look what you're doing here. It's like, it's not like there's not other podcasts out there, but you guys are more into podcasts. You guys are in an events coordinating business that actually connects people on the idea that social media and PR can blend and you, you, you amplify people's messages and you do it in a way that is authentic and in a way that... I think really connect. I think people are smarter these days. People, people these days are just as a society. We're a lot smarter. We can smell out the bullshit. Most people can, and 
you can tell when people are being, aren't being authentic. In fact, if anybody, not that this is one of your questions, but if anybody asked me what the best business book I would ever say to read is, is there's two. One is a harder read because it's, it's very deep. And the other one is just a really fun read. And one of them, uh, the book I'm talking about, Authenticity. Um, it's a Harvard Business Review book, but don't let that fool you. It's just anybody can read it and get something from it. Authenticity is amazing. And also the book Gung Ho. I know, I know of Gung Ho. I haven't read it, but I'm going to have to add those to my list. And I didn't have that question down, but I'm glad you asked that because uh, <laughs> I, I very much nerd. I don't, I'm not a big reader. I, I love to have suggestions for people because I think reading and books can completely change people's lives. You know, it's, it's so impactful. For sure. Um, Man. And so, you know, another thing, another question I'd wrote down that I wanted to ask was, in your opinion, as someone that's thrown a lot of events inside and outside of cannabis, what are some of the things that you feel like are important for brands to connect with an audience at events through activations or through booths? I know there's a lot of variables at play and a lot of, you know, there's so many different things that can be right for one person and wrong for someone else. But what are some of those key pillars or components you feel like that people need to pay attention to, to, to fully leverage their presence at events? My answer is a little bit layered, um, but I want to give an authentic answer is that I, getting someone to try your product is not enough. Um, you have to understand what your market wants different than what you think they want. Right. I, I, am a big fan of questionnaires presented in a fun way, win something and no more than three questions. I'm a fan of the number three and it's hard to condense it into three questions, but there's a phrase in, in the CPG industry, which is pull through. Right. And when you get pull through, it is when you, okay, Way back when I got really fascinated with this idea about consumer psychology when I was running the dental business. And I was a part of this study with Harvard Business um, called the CDJ. CDJ stands for Consumer Decision Journey. And the best way to describe this is if you look at an illustration, kind of like this funnel, right? It's really wide at the end and it kind of narrows down when you get to the center point. On the outside of this, there's four touch points along that CDJ. One is investigation, two is engagement, three is advocacy and four is bond. When people are investigating things, it's important to have something out there that you feel is going to identify with your market. And you can't do that unless you understand what they want in the pull through. Asking people what they're looking for. What are you most interested? Do you like Indica? Do you like Sativa? I don't know. I'm thinking crazy questions right now, but it's like, do you use cannabis for sleeping? Do you use it for rest? Do you use it for getting high just to have fun? There's different, you need to understand what it is that your market is most interested in and how you can serve that with your unique selling proposition. Then you get engagement because people will try it. You don't get advocacy until they bought it a second time. You need two touches on this. Once you get advocacy, people will start talking about it with other people and go, hey, I really, like I did, I was talking about the cookies, like cookies in Vegas, I, they've got a great product. I love it, you know, um, it, it's, it's, but I'm talking about it and I bonded with it because I'm sharing with you what I like most. That's different than an advocacy. I'm sharing with you my passion for it. That's a bond. I will keep buying that product every time I go to that store because I bonded with it. So, you know, mm -hmm. uh, investigation, engagement, advocacy, and bond. And those are the things that I think brands have to focus on a little bit more rather than what color their logo is and how badass it looks on a t-shirt mm. or a hat. And, and that's impactful. Mm. And, th and those are questions not a lot of people ask when, whether it's putting out a marketing initiative or campaign, having a vendor day uh, or PAD as they call them in California, um, or even getting a booth in an event, right? Like what are the, what are the components of what we're doing hitting on each of each of these parts of the funnel, right? I, I, I describe a funnel. I can't, I, I'll butcher it probably off the top of my head. So I'm not going to go into my points, but very much similar. You know, I think I break it down to the three, right? Like awareness, consideration, and then conversion, you know, the, of the, of like a sales funnel. And so either way, it's very similar. There's different aspects of it and it starts very broad and it gets narrow. And a lot of people don't understand when they're doing something or, or think, it's not understand, but think with that intent of I'm doing a campaign or I'm building a booth. What part of the funnel is, are we touching? What is our purpose with this? Or how many parts of the funnel and what different parts of our engagement or activation are going to guide people through this funnel, right? And I think just being very intentional yeah. with that, you know, the simplest thoughts that, that transcend industry and business, right? Just applying that to anything, I think, can be impactful for any business. Sure. Yeah, it's important to have the ability to talk with your potential customers and to get a better understanding of what is going to impact their lifestyle. 
And if you can't impact their lifestyle, you won't be a part of it. I've been given so much free product from brands before I ever reviewed anything and was anybody. And you go to the events, take dabs, take free pins, take stickers. Some brands sell it. Some brands give it away. The fact remains is that nobody's asking me any questions. So the first investigation part, no one's doing that. None. Like, I can't think of any. So all the brands need to do it. Well, there's, there's one company that does a great job, though. Sorry to cut you off there. I'm sorry, Joey. Um, one brand, and I'm not plugging them. I'm just telling you I like them because I think they've done a great job is Rove. Rove does a good job Rove, of, Rove of, makes- of definitely investigating their audience. And, and then all of the other aspects of the funnel that you mentioned, I think they hit probably on all of those things for sure. What, where, whether it's Rove or other brands, again, they don't do a great job of surveying as often as they probably could. And that's simply because when we all know this sitting here on this, on this video chat now, everyone's just spread thin and the the opportunity to ask the customer is not the fire that they're thinking about, you know, day in and day out. Right. And but we know that that's definitely an area where all the brands can improve, right, is, again, doing a better job of not just surveying. But I would also say uh, if I'm going to get something for free, you've definitely got to acquire some information. Mm-hmm. You've definitely got to get me to follow you somewhere. Hey, where do you follow us on Twitter? No. Yeah, already. OK, cool. Instagram. Then. All right, cool. Then connect me on LinkedIn. Oh, you don't have a profile? Make a profile. I'll give you 10 percent. You've got to give your people ammunition to acquire these. And it's really simple in terms of followers. It's really simple in terms of stickers. If they ask you for a sticker, get them to follow you somewhere or to leave a review or to do a comment or just to do something that can grow the business incrementally. I think that's something, uh, as you mentioned earlier, from a communication standpoint, blending social media with PR and content and all this stuff is people don't really have a true strong funnel. They do bits and pieces really well. And if they could mm. uh, definitely focus more on these areas, I think we'll see we'll see more people being brought into the world of cannabis, thus increasing the quantity of consumers um, for everybody to uh, to be selling to. So, yeah, and you know, one other quick note on that too is that people look—it's obvious people love brands. You know, I mean, I, I if I go to the mall and I'm I'm walking past the Louis Vuitton store, I can't believe there's 20, 30 people in line trying to get into it. You know, it's like. <laughs> whatever right it's like but when you talk about branding and cannabis there it's the, the hardest part is there's so much noise and how do you cut through that clutter without creating more clutter that's the marketing phrase you learn in marketing one-on-one classes it's like how do you cut through clutter without creating more clutter and it's important to position your brand in a way that has some sort of an association with the way you want people to feel about mm-hmm. it right and it's like that's i think most people get it the, to be simplistic is like if you look at marketing and branding and advertising like a wheel, the hub is the brand. What's the brand identity? How do people feel about your product? The spokes are really the marketing, how you're rolling that messaging out. And the tire is how you're advertising it because you're moving it through. It's like, but people usually go the other way around. They start with logos. They start with colors. They start with, you know, the way it looks because they, they mm-hmm. feel something about the look because they've had a preconceived notion. They already knew what they were trying yeah. to feel when they were designing it. But customers don't know that. So... <clears throat> when you look at companies like Rove or any of these other companies that are doing great merch is giveaways. I mean, they've got skateboards, they've got, you know, quality products that they give to people to wear. It makes them feel a certain way about the product. Like I'm actually going to wear or use that, whether I use the product or not, because I like the quality of what you gave me. That, that goes a long way too, but it's also getting yourself in a position where you can have more touches that creates a conversion and that CDJ we were talking about. So people end up bonding with your brand and talking about it with others. And raw garden did an amazing job with that when they went out to all the bud tenders and just got the advocacy from the bud tenders, you know, and that's quite honestly, when raw garden hit, everybody was really chasing raw garden. It was kind of like what kettle one did kettle yeah. one did in the alcohol industry with bar- bartenders. They just, mm-hmm. you know, Red Bull did it. Red Bull failed just two times in a row. They were going down and they went to NorCal and they went to bartenders and said, here, dude, there's some Red Bull and, you know, keep you, uh, keep you going your last couple hours, mix it with some vodka and you got a cool cocktail. And then vodka Red Bull was the bartender's drink. And then people start ordering vodka Red Bulls. And it's like, and I heard that directly from Diedrich, by wow. the way, the founder of Red Bull. Wow. That's crazy. That's not some <laughs> bullshit story that I just made up. I heard that from the founder of Red Bull. I, man, I, I can, so wild. I can see that. It's true. It's like, but you can't plan this shit. Like, I mean, you have to almost have this, this 
this confrontation mm-hmm. with failure and have enough passion in what you're trying to do to go, I'm not going down. I'm going to find a way to work through these issues. I'm going to solve for a problem and I'm going to do it in a way that has a direct benefit to the people that I want to use my product with rather than what I think I need to do for me. So I get wealthy. That's the wrong way to think about it. And unfortunately we're all so hardwired to succeed and succeed. We're all competing against each other in this world. Right. And we don't care if you're at a green light and a car next to you looks a little faster than yours. You're going to go a little faster offline because you want to compete with the guy next to you. It's a competitive world we live in, but how do you create, a good product yeah. and you've got a lot and, of and I, I liked you you said it earlier you know of the that people connect with with brands or products where they associate part of their lifestyle with that brand or that product and i think so many you know back to like one of these things that a lot of people do wrong is they they think about the lifestyle first we are this but they don't understand that people are have yet to associate that with it, right? And that's where impact can really be made. So many people claim they're a lifestyle brand because, oh, well, we're involved with this or that. But until a lifestyle is really living, like until a lifestyle has accepted your brand or product or your brand or product fits in with the lifestyle, other people are not gonna associate with that. And people draw such strong bonds. You know, there's there's this, in cannabis, I feel like people over overtly try too much to be lifestyle, which is not authentic. Or they go anti-lifestyle because they're like, they somehow see that as, you know, I I don't know why or how, because all the big brands in the CPG space are associated with lifestyle in one component or another, you know, like fucking toothpaste. You want white teeth for the lifestyle. It's not, you sure it's a product you use in the intimacy of your own home, but it's connected to your lifestyle. That's why you use the product. And I think so many people think of it on the opposite ends of the spectrum rather than just meeting it at, at the meat and potatoes in the middle of just understanding that people associate part of their lifestyle with that brand or product. Oh, but wait, Mitch, listen, this is, there's, a, there's a whole nother thing that goes on here, which is that if you look at traditional industries, like look at the makeup industry, celebrity works. It just works. Celebrity doesn't really work in this space. It, it's like if you look at like your Seth Rogans of the world, your Jay Z's of the world, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, we were talking earlier about how do we keep this industry true to its roots without, you know, selling out to the consumer markets in the sense that where, you know, it, it, it irritates the founders, if you will. Um, but you know what? Listen, man, we've all seen what's happened with celebrity brands in this space. It doesn't fly. It's like it just because you have a celebrity attached to your brand, it doesn't really mean anything. So, you know, it's like unless it, of course, in our case, we're throwing a great concert and we're bringing some big celebrity to the concert. Well, that's because we want to throw a great fucking party. You know, it's like it has nothing more to do with anything else. But getting Mike Tyson involved, that's a whole nother deal because Mike is one of those guys mm-hmm. that genuinely loves and smokes cannabis all the time on a daily basis. He is in the community, irrespective of whether or not he's a boxer, celebrity, whatever. It doesn't matter. An actor. It's, it's somebody that actually is authentic in the industry. And, and that, to, that goes places. That works. Understanding your core value, understanding what identifies with people's lifestyles and producing a product that feeds that interest is important and it will make you successful. You just have to make sure you stick in there. I always tell people, don't ever give up whatever you do. The beginning is always the hardest. I always said if I was to write my own business book, I'd call it Don't Look Down because I feel like you just can't look down. You just got to stay focused one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, focus on your core values, focus on reaching that market and, and just put your seatbelt on because you're dealing with a lot of noise in this space and it's hard to cut absolutely, through. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And, and Keith, we really, really appreciate you hopping on, on the show, chatting with us today. Um, I look forward to that. I look forward to the book, even if it's a short form PDF, man, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll buy a <laughs> copy, man. Yeah. Hit me, hit me with the, <laughs> That'd be my next car, the cardboard cutouts. I need pictures. I need Crayola. Come on, man. Spell it out for me. Um, for yeah for the people out there that want to vote budtenderawards.com tickets and more information g4live.com may 12th through the 15th resorts world las vegas man this is an exciting time again really appreciate you hopping on here anything else you want the people people to hear before before we jut out yeah, listen, I, I would love to see this place uh, be packed with all of you who are listening. Uh, get out to Vegas, come see our show, come to the expo, come hang out with us. And if you see me, come say hi, please. I really do enjoy meeting people from the industry, talking about new ideas. Uh, I, I, I have a phrase in my life that is really important, which is I listen to hear, not to reply. I, I really 
I absorb a lot and, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys specifically at the show. We're going to have a blast. I can't believe it's only a little less than six weeks away, but you know, we're, we're fired up and ready to go. So thank you guys so much for having me on this show. I'm really grateful to get a chance to sit and talk with both of you guys. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, my so man. And to anybody else as well out there, I'm going to be out there too. So make sure you guys tap in, check in. I'll be doing some reviews, maybe some podcasts and we'll be getting some content. Definitely a good live stream or two. So make sure you guys tap in again, May 12th through the 15th or the 14th, 15th, 14th, 12th through the 14th, 12th through the 14th. If I could say yep. one last thing, I want to thank my team. My team is, is made up of some very amazing individuals who have really worked their asses off to put off, pull off the show. I mean, I'm the one representing everybody from my team on this call with you guys here, but yeah, I, I just, I had to do that because my team is amazing. Shout out. So to thanks squad. guys. All right. This is the R. Armar Podcast, episode 33. First time me and Joey have been together on this in a while. Appreciate everyone tuning in. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple after we already uploaded it, subscribe, follow there, tell a friend to tell a friend. If you got hate, let us know in the comments because we want that feedback as well. We'll see you guys next time.